Almost. 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 Major. 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 Holy fucking shit, this is major! Hello and welcome to another episode of Almost Major, where we usually talk about the many major studios and the films they release, but today we are talking about soundtracks, in particular new metal soundtracks for films we have covered previously. My name is Kevin Tudor, and I am here with my host, the CEO of New Metal himself. It's Holiday Kirk. How are you, sir? I'm pretty great. How are you? Good. Just, uh, I would like for people to know just basically what you've been up to. Uh, you just started the new season of the podcast. You just started a website. So just talk about that. What am I not up to? Yeah, we got the we got the Twitter account, the TikTok account, the Instagram account, the website, the podcast, the never-ending imposter syndrome and sense of existential despair. I mean, I'm doing it all. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Where I've... are you located? Where are you based? Uh, in Oklahoma. What's the best? What's the best uh, new metal band from Oklahoma? Well, per your podcast, uh, Chatpile is from Oklahoma. So, oh, hell yeah, yeah, that's a that's yeah, top tier. Yeah, I haven't I haven't been able to see them live, but uh, yeah, they're from Oklahoma City. So that's pretty much all we got, I think. <laughs> I don't know, hinders from Oklahoma. <laughs> Ouch. Well, that's a steep drop, really steep drop there. Well, in about two weeks, we have a Tool cover band coming, so. That's and neat. there's third place, man. <laughs> Slim pickings. Slim pickings. Uh, what a lineup that would be. Hinder opening for chat pile. I'd go to that. I'd fly out for that. I mean, I would yeah. have to experience that. That'd be that'd be nuts. Um, but today we are talking about three different soundtracks from uh, Strangeland, from Blair Witch 2, and of course the Punisher colon the album because Wind Up Records had to make everything the album. Which one would you like to particularly talk about first? Do you want to go in chronological order? Or? I would like to talk about how before we started recording you said that these were forgettable. Kind of, yeah. These are great. I feel like okay. you picked three really solid soundtrack albums. What, like, man, like some of these songs are really good. I would say that this, first of all, the Blair Witch 2 Book of Shadows soundtrack, infinitely better than the movie. Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2, music from the motion picture, featuring music from Godhead, Marilyn Manson, Rob Zombie, P.O.D., System of a Down, At the Drive-In, Queens of the Stone Age, Slaves on Dope. Tony Iommi featuring Dave Roll and more. In stores now on Posthuman Priority Records. You got POD on here, System of a Down, Rob Zombie. You've got a Project 86 on here, so you've got some killer deep cuts. You've got Slaves on Dope on here. Yeah. You've got yeah. Our Carsonal by At the Fucking Drive-In. Yeah, that's, yeah. Closes with Feel Good Hit of the Summer by Queens of the Stone Age, and you're going to tell me this is forgettable? That's, that's probably my favorite one, and I... One, I grew up with Blair Witch 2. That is a terrible movie that I adore. And I had the soundtrack back in the day. That's how I first heard Death in Vegas. That soul auctioneer cut on here I really love. Um, I thought it was funny that the Blair Witch 2 soundtrack, it says the Dragula's on it, but of course it's the remix because there's no soundtrack uh, with just wait, Dragula. Did I miss that? It says just Dragula. So wait, is it the Hot Rod Herman remix? Yes, yes. And that's better than the original version. So Damn. boom, so it's okay. even better than I would have even anticipated. Yeah, I didn't get you, to like I didn't really get to like listen to these, but I know obviously I know all these songs. Yeah. Yeah. But even on the yeah. back of the CD, it just says Dracula. But it's the Hot Rod Herman version. So that's it. That's even another step up. Man. What yeah, is your so deal? What is I, your deal? 
Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Are you just not a new metal fan in general? No, 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 no. I love new metal, but it's it's pick and choose for me. I'm gonna be honest, because prior to the soundtrack, I had never heard Slaves on Dope. Can't say that I've heard them. Project eighty six. I do like that song, but I've never heard them, and I didn't know that they were a Christian new metal band. But like my favorites from this soundtrack, Feel Good Hit of the Summer, which you know plays a pivotal role in the movie, so I like that song. I actually kind of like the Nickelback song on here, strangely. Kind of like it. Death in Vegas, like I said. I thought that was interesting is that all of these songs are, you know, from previous albums or whatnot, we'll run down them, but... The, unfortunately, the Marilyn Manson one is the only one exclusive to the soundtrack that's not Dude, on anything Marilyn, else. We just did our, on our podcast an episode on new metal OSTs. Manson is on all of them. I know. He is on all of them. It was That was like his real commercial coup was just landing on all these damn soundtracks. And of course, he's on this one with a cover. Right. And it's the only one exclusive. And then we open it up with Godhead, The Reckoning, which was a band was that assigned. Assigned to Marilyn Manson. Yeah. I actually really, I don't think I had heard that song, and I actually really like that song, so I need to listen to 2,000 Years of Human Error, because I'm a big fan of, like, the new metal industrial kind of bands, like, I like Static oh, yeah, X a lot. yeah, you'll fuck with that, you'll fuck with that. Yeah, so I was really liking that. I did find, um, it was on the DVD, which I did not know, but I looked on YouTube, and I was just looking up, is there a, a video for Godhead the Reckoning or anything like that? And there wasn't, but there was a live performance at the Blair Witch Fest 2000, which I had really never heard of. Blair Witch that is my is, favorite movie. I've never heard a, it. Hold on. That is something that I have to post when we're off of here. <laughs> like, it's, that is some that is some history right here. Godhead, <laughs> the Reckoning? Yes. I have like a... I ripped it from my, my DVD because before that performance on the DVD, it starts with like a 30-second commercial for the soundtrack, so I'm going to put that in the pod, but... So it's yeah, called it's, The Blair Witch Hunt 2000. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I was I, like, I had never heard of that. Never it's such a that. weird... It's such a weird... Uh, the Blair Witch Project is such a weird thing to have, like, ballooned into a kind of a media emprise. Like, it had video games. Yeah, Remember that? three. Video games. And, and the, but the original movie is this incredibly harrowing DIY effort. Art film, pretty much. Yeah, that made $250 yeah, million. That's a, good, that's a good way of putting it. It's like an art film. Have you ever seen this clip? I There's this clip. I don't know if it was a bonus feature or like some sort of side documentary of this woman leaving the theater after seeing it. And she went in there with that expectation that it was a real thing. That yeah. something actually happened. And she's, there's video of her leaving the theater and she's like, about to pass out <laughs> yeah like from from sheer terror imagine seeing that movie and thinking it was a real like a documentary a lot of people Dude, did i would be inconsolable i know not so for the blair witch 2 not as much for the blair witch 2 terrible movie i love it so much i'll probably watch it tonight i've um, got to see it i've never seen the whole thing i've got to see it they're uh well in the movie because a lot of the needle drops are in this uh party scene when they go out to the woods but they're barely audible so there's the the, the System of a Down song, that's like barely audible. The uh, Nickelback song, and then Feel Good Hit of the Summer is just like a full montage with that. And then I honest, and then Soul Auctioneer by Death in Vegas, that's like barely in the background. So there's only, only like one big needle drop, and that's Queens of the Stone Age. Yeah, P.O.D., we got that on there. We got a Tony Iommi track with Dave Grohl. But yeah, my favorite on here is definitely uh, Death in Vegas because that's definitely stayed with me. What what were some particular ones that you really dug from this? The Blair Witch Two, okay. Uh, Lie Down is like the top three songs off of that Pod album, which is uh, 
the fundamental elements of Southtown, which in general is a very not good album. <laughs> uh, at least that I remember. Stick It Up by Slaves on Dope. That's a good one. That album's pretty, that album's decent. Okay. P.S. by Project 86. That's a pretty good one. Oh, P.S. What is that actually off of? That's off that of Drawing Black Lines. Oh, that's a great album. I actually really like Drawing Black Lines. Drawing Black Lines is one of the better Christian new metal slash hardcore records. Our Carsonal? Fucking Our Carsonal? That's so weird that that's Incredible on here. Incredible song. That's yeah. that's a great lift. And then getting a little elastic on there is awesome. Uh, Feel Good Hit of the Summer. I mean, this to me is, is the whole thing coming up to an hour long is too much for sure. But most, sound, most soundtracks, yeah. Just any the, any just, any yeah. stretch in here, any stretch in here is pretty pretty good. But if I had to pick like a favorite song on here, I would go with our Carsonal. Hell yeah! Can we at least agree that the Tommy Don't Die by Steak Knife is like one of the worst things I've ever heard? <laughs> For sure, absolutely. It's fucking terrible. I was like, what, what is Steak Knife? I have no idea. I looked it up, and it's 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 exclusive to the soundtrack only because his album never actually came out and well was, that makes sense yeah not even uh, a wikipedia page no Rest yeah but yeah there's blair witch 2 where do you want to go from there do you want to go strange land or the or the punisher let's save the punisher for the cleanup position what is it in batting order cleanup uh you could just say last yeah last <laughs> position yeah uh okay have so you seen str- you've seen strange land yes we covered it for the pod that is a uh it's a bad movie. <laughs> do I own it on DVD? Yes, I do. <laughs> now I do want to talk about The Punisher because I do remember The Punisher being the last time I watched it because I did like a new metal cinema exploration. So I watched like Triple X, Rollerball. Oh, man. Uh, Punisher, Queen Queen of the Damned. Ah, uh, yeah. A couple more. And uh, oh, oh, um, what's the Arnold Schwarzenegger one? Uh, End the... of Days. End of Days. Yes, yes. I think, of, that, is I think a, of all... that is a good soundtrack. Good soundtrack, terrible fucking movie. Oh, it's bad. Yeah, yeah. Lemon, you've seen Rollerball? Yes, not not since like it came out. So I was like ten or eleven, and I'm pretty sure I only rented it because I was like Slipknot's in this. <laughs> Such a bad movie. Yeah, from Disney. the director of Die Hard. Somehow, yeah, really bad. That's one of those movies where it looks like they ran out of money. Yeah, like halfway through the movie, that one's really. I mean, most of those are pretty bad. Uh, I didn't get to watch Strangeland, even though I know Strangeland is a, a new metal cinema movie. But I did watch The Punisher and also Daredevil. Daredevil. Oh, Daredevil, yes. Yes. That's got the Rob Zombie and Drowning Pool one. Yeah. The director's cut of Daredevil? Yep. Pretty damn good. Like, they were just like, we need 40 more minutes of him uh, in court with Coolio. <laughs> it's so strange. No, but, I like that. I like yeah. that. It fleshes out the character. Yeah. It offers a bit of levity. Like, he's supposed to be a lawyer. So to have these scenes of him being lawyerly, I, I thought that worked. Yeah, I haven't seen either Director's Cut or just regular Daredevil since probably I'm going like on the 04. record right now. The Director's Cut of Daredevil, good movie. Okay. I've been meaning to rewatch it. I will not watch Electra. That that's just not going to happen. <laughs> Strangeland, on the other hand, yeah, not, good, not a good movie. No, 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 no. I'm Dee Snyder. I wrote, co-produced, and starred in Dee Snyder's Strangeland, and I have put together the most amazing soundtrack for this movie. It contains the best of the new wave of hardcore and heavy metal that's out there today. Listen to this. I got Seven Dust, Megadeth, Pantera, Anthrax, Snot, Day in the Life, Cold Chamber, Vile, Marilyn Manson. We got Soulfly, Head P.E., Kid Rock, The Clay People, System of a Down, Nashville, Pussy, Crisis, and even a Twisted Sister reunion. And I'm 
Rock will be back after the movie to show you some videos from the bands who are on my soundtrack. So if you're still alive, check it out. I'm trying to think of any uh, of these that were actually needle-dropped in it. I only really remember the Kid Rock song being needle-dropped, honestly. I'll tell you what, though. Best song on here, I would say, is Serpent Boy by Head P.E. Okay. Great fucking song. I don't know about the radio edit, but like the song itself is really good. They're yeah. best, for sure. It's very strange uh, that they put eye, a radio head. Eye for an Eye by Soulfly, really good one. Yeah. Uh, Unfortunately, Fuck Off is a good song by Kid Rock. I do love that song. And the strange thing about this soundtrack of that version strange of Fuck thing. Off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Sorry. strange thing about Fuck Off on this soundtrack, it's the only way to listen to it actually uncensored because on the album there's backmasking for like two different lyrics, I think. Really? Yeah. One of, uh, I'm pretty sure both of them are uh, very homophobic. <laughs> so on this. Oh, on... so good. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, yeah, it's, it's one that definitely. I remember that song growing up, and that was so weird that the first time listening to the soundtrack, I was like, wait a minute, that, I, wow, I've never actually heard this, like, actually uncensored before, so it was strange. What do you think of this one? What do you think of this one, though? This is definitely my least favorite. Um, it does yeah, have it's a, a shaky, it's a shaky one. Yeah, um, I do like the Cold Chamber song, I'm a big Cold Chamber fan. Yeah, the Kid Rock song. Uh, other than that, I'm kind of. I don't remember the system of a down song at all. Yeah, that was uh, Marmalade. That was actually on the uh, Japanese version of self-titled, but uh, stateside, this is like exclusive to the soundtrack. Um, I think it. I think I read something that it was on like a single for like one of the hypnotized, mesmerized ones. They just like threw it on there as a B-side, but yeah. So now we're up to two system of a down songs on these soundtracks with both of them, of course, like in the self-titled era. Yeah. We got a twisted sister reunion. So neat. I don't don't know. Um, (laughs) I don't remember that one though. Is it new metal? No, it's a twisted sister song. So it's pretty much what you expect. Now the first one with just D Snyder called in conclusion, which is exclusive to the soundtrack. That is very new metal. I actually kind of oh, like that. I got to re I got to revisit that. That's, that's yeah. interesting. Is it a good song? I don't remember it. Yeah, it's not bad. And then, cause most of these are actually the songs on strange land soundtrack are actually exclusive to the soundtrack. The seven dust song breathe. That's exclusive to this. The snot song is exclusive day in the life the bile song and the crisis song are all exclusive to this soundtrack so the real tvt app tvt records ass soundtrack i'll tell you that much right seven dust were on tvt i don't know if snot were on tvt but tvt was just ripping off all these bands hardcore no snot we're not but i just i just talked to lejean witherspoon of seven dust about the tvt yeah i need to listen relationship and it was uh bad no, it wasn't bad because TVT sunk a lot of money into putting Seven Dust in a position to win. But at the same time, like sinking all that money into promotion of Seven Dust means there wasn't much money to actually pay Seven Dust. But the yeah. promise with Seven Dust was always, we're going to make you into superstars and then we'll figure it out. And when they didn't become superstars, it was like, we will no longer figure this out. Peace. And it was a member yeah. of Twisted Sister that was their ma- their manager, too. Really? Yeah, that's an interesting. That's actually an interesting connection here. It was wow. a member of Twisted Sister that was the their management. JJ French. J, I was just oh. saw the name right here. JJ French was their manager, and he was like driving Ferraris and speedboats around while Seven Dust were eating cans of tuna for dinner. And yeah. they were like, they were like, hey, what's the deal with that? And that was the deal with that. As he was taking them for a ride. But yeah, interesting connection. Yeah. As far as TVT, the only thing I really know about them is that uh, Nine Inch Nails had a 
terrible relationship with them early on in the yeah, late they're 80s. Like, they're like the victory records of the 90s. Yeah, they were like, Damn, I'm pretty sure. Rules. Yeah, because I think they started up as just being like a company that put out like TV theme songs on CD and then they just kind of fell into being a record company somehow. So, yeah. Is there anything on here that you had not previously heard? Because this one is is a little new metal, but it's actually kind of just, you know, just basic Tons metal. Of shit. Yeah. Megadeth, The Secret Place, Day in the Life, Bile. These are like fake bands, the Clay yeah. people. Yeah. Crisis. Yeah. They're on you here. Couldn't, <laughs> couldn't convince me that these are real bands. Nashville Pussy. I know you're a big fan of them. I do. I have heard of Nashville Pussy, but I don't. I can't remember any of their songs offhand. Very uh, bad band name. You want to know an even worse band name, though? Dreadlock Pussy. Real there's band two. name. Okay. Yes. Yes. That's new metal for you, right? That there's two oh, bands that have similar conceited, uh, similar names with the word pussy involved. So <laughs> I'm sorry, though, that I had to alert you to that fact. Yeah. Well, but yeah, the Nashville Pussy song on here is uh, truly terrible. <laughs> it's bad. From the album Let Them Meet Pussy. Okay. We've allotted how many times. Is that the name of the album? Wait, 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 wait. wait. Is that the name of their album? Yes. Yes. Hold on. I I need to. (laughs) It is the name of the album. All right. I mean, I do appreciate the commitment to the bit. I mean. Oh, my God. Have you seen the album cover? No, I have not. I am looking it up right now. I apologize in advance. It looks basically exactly what you hope it would not look like. Okay, let's see here. We're going to Google Images and what in the holiest of hell? Okay. I mean, that's the way to go, you know? Commit to the bit. Wow. Why why Commit is Commit to the bit? Commit. They have they have a pink limited edition vinyl of this because yeah, that needed to happen. Cool. Cool. I do feel bad though for all your listeners right now. They're like, "Well, I got to see it too." Oh my god. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> they also have an album called Please to Eat You. Huh, I wonder if that's a double entendre. I could be wrong. Probably not. But anything else on Strangeland? Any takeaways from there? No, no, no. I have way more to say about The Punisher, though. That is, yeah, The Punisher is definitely veering off from the new metal into the butt rock lane. You want to step up? You can get knocked down! This is, uh, this is, so it's, so The Punisher soundtrack, for those that, that are not aware, 67 minutes long. Yeah. And it is a punishing 67 i'm sorry it's no pun intended it's a what no okay. pun intended it's a okay. it's a it's a brutal 67 minutes because okay. i'll tell you what i can look through this and be like piece by piece by strata i like that song finding myself a smile i'm talking like that's i like that song i yeah i'd never heard that and i was like oh yeah smile empty soul bottom of the bottle i was like i don't think i've ever heard a second song from them but i listened to that and i was like kind of like it <laughs> there are plenty of songs on here that i like but it's like one 67-minute listen, miserable. Yeah, and it kind of suffers from soundtracks where the second half is just like, yeah, put all the bands that nobody really knows at the end. Like, I've yeah, never well, heard of Seven Wiser or Submerged or Atom Ship. Of course, I've heard of Hatebreed and Strata and all that, but yeah, it gets a little long in the tooth after Finger Eleven. I don't know if I've ever heard anyone say, of course I know Strata. Well, is that really an of course I know band? I guess for me, I guess. Not exactly you too. Strata. 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 Oh, of course. I have their self-titled album, of course. Uh, but yeah, The Punisher, this is probably my favorite overall album because the first half of it is kind is pretty damn good. And going through it for the first time, it's a few stuff I'd never heard before. I 
never heard of the Queens of the Stone Age cover of Never Say Never. I thought that was interesting. Let's get into the drowning pool of it all, because I've always thought this was interesting. I do not like this song. No, I don't either. Um, I pretty much like the center is a fantastic album but everything after that and it's just like you guys have like a new lead singer like every time you have a new album maybe maybe hang it up i don't know i respect them for persevering sure but yeah not a fan of the song but center if you haven't heard it it's fucking great check it out i know you're not talking to me right i'm talking to the i'm talking to the, audience, the audience not to you have you center, heard of like drowning, drowning pool, pool? Yeah. You're familiar. You're not familiar? You don't Have you heard of that Bodies? Bodies? Yeah, it's on there. Yeah. You definitely know that, right? (laughs) I am familiar with that one. Yeah. And then we have two exclusive songs from Puddle of Mud and Nickelback, which are both very much aping from the upcoming Butt Rock Wave, where it's just like both songs are like, she's so beautiful, too bad I have to kill her type (laughs) type (laughs) shit. (laughs) Very much. She's so beautiful, I want to die. Is basically, I mean, this record really gets you into the like cop mentality. <laughs> oh yeah, where you're like, <laughs> where you're like, I'm the hero, but I'm also not the hero. Yeah, it's bad times out here. Um, when did you watch this movie last? Um, we covered it at least, I'd say, almost about a year and a half ago. So that's when I watched it last. I did not watch the director's cut, which is not as not as long as the Daredevil director's cut. I think it's like five minutes longer, but it's still a two-hour-long movie, and boy, howdy. But yeah, it's the only needle drops I can remember that are actually in the movie is, of course, Broken, which they play, like I think, like five times, and then Step Up is over the end credits. I think, that I, I think I've developed this weird affinity for Marvel comic book movies that were made before they like nailed down the formula. Oh, it's very interesting. Yeah. Where they were just because, like, what do we do? Yeah. Because daredevil, those first like three Spider-Mans, this one Punisher, they were all shot in like real locations. Yeah. And it's Blade. just, it's just yeah. 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 And then like the matrix matrix reloaded and revolutions like you, they're outside. Yeah. Like my bar is so low now for being impressed by blockbuster movies like wow, they blocked <laughs> off streets for this. <laughs> wow. This takes place in Rome and they went to Rome. <laughs> what was the last Marvel movie you saw? Uh oh goodness. Uh well I guess uh the Sp- the latest Spider-Verse movie but that's not an MCU. Oh, that movie, doesn't count cuz that's really yeah. good. That yeah, doesn't count. Good. I I the last one I saw was the um Doctor Strange one and uh, they, the they same Raimi one. They shot all of it on on green screens and on sound stages, and I was just fucking. Gross. I was like mad at how mm-hmm. bad it was. It was all three point lighting, bad three point lighting in front mm-hmm. of green screens, and I'm like, what the? F- what is going on? Yeah, it was like humiliating how bad it was. So now, like any comic book movie that's shot in a real place, to me, is just like, oh, yeah. And it was. It's also so weird. Everything pre Iron Man is all of the Marvel movies were like pretty much like hard r or at the very least pg-13 like they were pretty edgy they yeah were pretty edgy all three of the blade movies are rated r daredevil the director's cut is pretty much rated r and then uh punisher's rated r and then i think punisher warzone came out before iron man but they were very much i mean it was a niche before iron man came along and just became a huge thing so they were just like let's just give the fans what they want from these type of characters now they don't touch those characters unless their Netflix series or whatnot, but I heard that I heard that they canceled all Punisher media because of like be, the Punisher logo becoming like a racist. Symbol. Right? Is yeah. that true? Um, 
I thought I heard because I didn't watch the Punisher show. I, yeah, um, I was actually grew up like a like the Punisher movie when I grew up when I was like twelve when this came out it was like huge for me and that was when I got into comics for a little bit I really loved Punisher and then I was just like oh a lot of other people like Punisher in Oklahoma oh. I think it's for different reasons, <laughs> but I think yeah. um, season two of the Punisher, I think they like go out of their way to to go against that type of thing. But I think they just got canceled because all of the Marvel stuff on Netflix was getting canceled. But yeah, one thing that I I'd always known broken by Seether, Amy Lee, but re-listening to the soundtrack and getting into it, I was like. Oh, I forgot. Like, this song actually, like, fucking rules. <laughs> I wanted you to know. He puts way too much, like, fake uh, gravitas yeah. into that vocal. the way you layer off. It's, like, <laughs> way over the top. And and it is it is kind of a jam because of that. Like, You're it's right. something I've learned to appreciate. Like, that, that way excessive pop grunge shit. But... Mm-hmm. I'm yeah, I'm very much a not a fan of either the Pearl Jam Eddie Vedder type of singing or the trillions of bands that just copied it. But it works it, it works, works in this context because a actual woman shows up to right. also sing. Yeah. So like having that balance makes it an effective like song. Because if you listen to like Seether songs that are just Seether, they're just these dour, mucky blah, blah just trudges. And so WWE to have like an actual songs, yeah. living, breathing woman show up and sing on it, like adds the level of, uh, I don't want to say levity, because it's not like she shows up and is like, I'm happy and everything rules, but to just have like a counterbalance to that excessive dudeness. Do you have a right. cold chamber tattoo? Wait, what? No, Where, I what'd you up. see? I, I turn your arm, turn, turn your, turn your, turn it the other way. Okay, I that lightning bolt. I thought I saw the edge of that lightning bolt and thought it was a cold chamber tattoo. My bad. If I had a cold chamber tattoo, you'd be the first. You think I would know that like way up front, right? Like just full disclosure. Full disclosure. I'm a card carrying member. Yeah. Cold chamber tattoo on my arm. Going off of that, I think it's interesting that only that song with Amy Lee and then the Elastica song are the only times that a female voice is on any of these soundtracks. Oh my god, it's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. That's a good point. The, these three, right? Yeah. As far as I know, of course, like, Cold Chamber had a woman bassist and all that. I'm just talking about vocals. I'll tell you what. You click over one album, though, on Wikipedia. So Wikipedia puts Marvel, comics, film, series, soundtrack. You click over one album, and you get to music from and inspired by Spider-Man 2. Okay. And that'll really... Comparing that, comparing and contrasting that with Punisher, the album really tells you like the divergent paths that rock music was taking at the time. Because this is Spider Man Two, Dashboard Confessional, Train, Yellow Oof. Card, Maroon Five, Taking Back Sunday, The Ataris. Like this really tells you where rock was going. If you com- if you compare that with the Punisher, like there was really two different types of rock radio listeners at this point, and I think that that's why rock radio became diluted to the point where it just didn't matter anymore. Yeah. It, was impo- it became impossible to embrace these two strands of rock music fans at the same time. Like how do we cater to the drowning pool fan and the Atari's fan at the same time? And I just, they, they couldn't figure that out. And that's why I always say that 2004 was the end of new metals reign. It was 94 to 2004. And it's because that like, listen, I have some affinity for this Punisher soundtrack. Mm-hmm. 
but a lot of these songs are not good. No. Let's let's be real. Like yeah. this puddle of mud song, this Johnny pulls on his Nickelback Oof. song. No. Trapped Chevelle. Chevelle more so than Hold others. Hold on, whoa, but... Chevelle easy now. Chevelle now is that's a good Chevelle song. Yeah, yeah, it's not bad. I was I was yeah, sorry for putting it together with trapped of all fucking people. <laughs> yeah, bite your tongue, young man. Bite your tongue. But what I will say though is that when you when like I said before, like when you take it all together, this just becomes this gray sludge. Mm-hmm. Even the good songs on here, like we talked about, we like Smile and Be Soul song, we like this Chevelle song. We like the uh, I like this Finger Eleven song. Oh, I love that. Right, right. Do you know, do you know why? Wrestling? Yeah. Damn monster. Hideous yeah. human being without a conscience. <laughs> post that again. I love that clip. Um, so good. But when you take all of this in at the same time, like we said, 67 minutes of this. Yeah. You get it. Like, I think it's undeniable that it was like, okay, this type of music has got to be something has got to something has got to bump this out of the way yeah by the time i was listening to it i was like i don't think i want to listen to another album that all sounds like this because it no. is it is <laughs> so it at a certain point it gets samey at a certain point i'm just like yeah like you were saying just the sludginess slog of it all it was just like this is like a one and done type of listen for me there's too much on here like even the strange land and uh blair witch soundtracks had more life and energy than this this just becomes this becomes way too self-pitying and and all the tempos are the same like what do you think of this edgewater song on here i'm gonna be honest i don't remember that (laughs) i don't like that i don't i think that song is first of all rest in peace to their lead singer Uh i think edgewater have other songs that are really good i think that song is a terrible choice of lead single for them yeah, uh, but it is much brighter and more optimistic than the other songs on here. And uh, you don't think this is optimistic with two Seether songs on one album? <laughs> Boy, pouty in hell. No, I really don't. I really don't. I think that just having the more yearning emo style Spider-Man two songs uh-huh. comes off as is as more of a breath of fresh air. Even. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Like I'm looking at I'm looking at the Spider-Man 2 soundtrack right now and like don't tell anyone I told you this but this oh, photograph no. is proof by Taking Back Sunday. It's probably better than every song on the Punisher soundtrack. I'm very uh it's I really I've really only heard Vindicated. I I'm I, I'm not 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 in the tank for a Hoopa Stank although I know their hits. Uh Smile Empty Souls on here. So that's I know that's the right gateway. like they had to they 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 picked a couple to like make sure like we we need to make sure we're checking a couple boxes on here but mm-hmm. for the most part this is like Audi five thousand they're they're like clean break, uh, clean break. R- real quick detour uh, because for me I've always thought new metal pretty much died when Meteora came out and that's 03, so why is 04 for you because that is that results may vary also or is that 03? Meteor did come out in 03. Okay, I get those confused sometimes. 04. So here's the thing, right? You said mm. you said you thought new metal died when Meteora come out, right? Pretty much. Two yeah. albums come out. Hold on. Two albums come out in the same year: Meteor and Fallen. And now you might think mm-hmm. of those as the end point of new metal, but remember, combined those albums sold. Well, yeah, about twenty million copies. Maybe not the end, but that's the peak, right? No, no. That's the no? thing is nobody under nobody knew it at the time. 
which you're right. right. Meteor and Fallen were the end of end point of new metal. It was the sound as far as it could be taken. Mm -hmm. But when you have two albums combined selling 20 million copies, it's not like Hollywood's going to be like the well, here lies new metal. Like, right, no, right, they're right. they're going to they're going to keep trying. They're going to sign mm -hmm. more bands that sound like that. They're going to keep pushing those records because if you had been around at the time, you would have probably thought to yourself like, oh, there's more gas in the tank. Oh, yeah. yeah I mean, like, I was there at the time. I was big into Meteora. and Well, you I, weren't, but you weren't like an an, an a and r at Warner Records. Yeah, I was 11, yeah. <laughs> right. So if you were an A&R at Warner Records, though, and Meteora had just gone six times platinum, would you have been like, New Metal is dead? No, 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 no. I was saying that at the time, I was just like, yeah, give me more. Yeah, but... Exactly. It, so to say that 03 was the end of it, that's a retrospective opinion. You have to go for 04 too to understand like... Like there's just a washout, a, a mm -hmm. sort of a, a backwash, I guess you could say, of bands that were getting signed and flopping like immediately, like way underperforming right away. Like when you think of like Smile Empty Soul, their their debut album goes gold, and that yeah. was a that was a pretty good success. That's not how the CD record industry was looking at it at the time. A gold yeah. record was a little like. Now okay, that's like holy shit, here? but back then it's just like you sold seven hundred thousand copies. Like get the fuck off our label. <laughs> because... it, it is funny. I do tell people that now. Like imagine if the like a new vein or loathe album went gold. Right. That would people be insane. would lose their fucking mind. <laughs> yeah. Like the new vein album sold five hundred thousand copies. People would go out of their fucking mind. But at the time, it was like, yo, you are dropped. <laughs> like, yeah. You are out of here yeah we're gonna write you off on our taxes this year so right and i looked in the next smile empty soul it's it's not on the same level uh, same label so they were they were already dropped smile after empty the first soul one i find so smile empty soul i find really curious i'd love to talk to sean danielson about this because the first album did pretty good and i remember hearing bottom of a bottle on the radio oh yeah, yeah. all the fucking time and yeah. on q101 94.7 and uh, also i've revisited that debut album pretty damn good i really? I would say of the post-grunge new metal efforts of the time that that album's got some fucking jams hmm. so i would stick up for it and if you want to go check it out you can't it's not on streaming damn i know i need to look into that see what i can do but anyway their second album which they had recorded for lava records they had mm -hmm. finished it it was done it was called anxiety mm -hmm. and it got scrapped and they got dropped because of what i had read online was like religious backlash to one of the songs that Which, doesn't make sense yeah i There's was like no how way. is there backlash about the song that i've never heard of you scrapped an entire album over religious backlash to one song that's there's no way so yeah. i i do want to figure out what the hell happened there that'd be but, interesting yeah but i will i will stick up for smile empty soul pretty much any day um otherwise though when you take in like this 67 minutes as like where new metal and post grunge was at the time i think mm -hmm. you can kind of get a feel for like let's wrap it up folks yeah we're yeah 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 like it's all right all right we're we're it, this is this is kind of over yeah what were some what were some bands like in 04 that they thought were going to be like a continuation and Ooh. they just they just good question good question it. hold on let me pull open my itunes library so i can be accurate <laughs> okay. about this because that is a fascinating year for me because it, it was fucking so over mm -hmm. and over. i feel like people knew so papa roach put out getting away with murder right and that's their pivot to butt rock and it was yeah. really successful yeah and i'm not even going to say necessarily that it was like bad but i i heard that single a lot that. yeah 
and my chemical romance puts out three cheers for sweet revenge that goes and there and and feels like a big deal yeah so i think that it was just it was just in the air that that this was over 10 years is a great run like i don't bemoan i don't bemoan uh new metals like end in terms of in terms of that run i bemoan the way that the its legacy was destroyed by crossfade by the way crossfade oh yeah crossfade was... look back at me that came out that year <laughs> that and was, yeah can't totally stick up for that breaking benjamin put out a big hit album that year oh yeah uh, yeah but you can just you know what though you can just tell even by these band names these weren't bands that were going to like spark a new rock revolution it was bands that were trying to like get their radio rotation on sell sell a couple hundred thousand albums it wasn't like corn putting out corn self-titled or slipknot or even mm-hmm. hybrid theory it was like this was the end right and definitely felt at a time because also this i'm just no research of this but also oh three fifty cents first album comes out and that becomes huge and then it just it it definitely seems at the time that rock became more and more and more niche and you know, when I was growing up and watching TRL and all of that, it would it would be something wild like a Backstreet Boys and a Corn and a Limp Bizkit and a Britney Spears all competing at one spot, and there was no division well, or reason, anything like the that. The reason that mainstream rock music became niche uh, was because new metal, which was the last time popular rock music attempted something new, right, became a genre to disavow yeah. and to regret and to apologize for when it was the last like massive explosion of creativity in the mainstream popular rock sector because Mm -hmm. when you look at like emo bands those emo bands which you would also think to yourself like these were pretty popular bands Mm -hmm. they weren't selling even close to the biggest new metal bands no they were they were big on myspace and that made it seem like they were like huge like under oath felt like the biggest band of all time at the time i can guarantee they never sold more than like ten thousand or something like that something really small you they went no they went gold they sold they did define the great line went gold that did five hundred thousand. okay which you think is big but it's like we were talking about earlier hybrid theory sold 12 million yeah chocolate starfish a million the first week Yeah. yeah so those are the kind of metrics that I'm comparing them against when I say like popular rock metrics. And and I think that when you listen to those albums now, they sound almost avant-garde for how weird they are. And they were dominant. They were in every like home in America. Right. So to, to, to like rake these bands over the coals, to make them lie down on a bed and you know, to prostrate them and make them apologize for all that they've done, like that condemned rock music to this like nostalgic hell that right. it's lived in ever since yeah so. um i would like to bring up something that i've never really gotten to talk to somebody that really would probably know the answer or have an oh, opinion boy. on it no it's nothing bad but basically you know the first woodstock 99 documentary come came out i forget the title but it was the H- hbo max one at the time i thought it was like awesome because i was seeing so much footage i'd never seen before it really contempt put it in context and all that and then the more i thought about it i was like this is like the most like pearl clinching bullshit i've ever <laughs> watched and to the point oh, where oh, 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 oh you're the hbo documentary yeah 
Yeah, I think the HBO one was. Did you watch the Netflix one? Yes, that one was actually good. Yeah. Okay, go to your conclusion though. I didn't mean to interrupt. Go all the way. Oh, you're fine. Basically, that that ends. It's just like, well, thank God that this died because then we got Coachella, and I was just like, what? But whoa, whoa! I don't know about that. <laughs> I would kind of rather get my ass whooped than pay two four hundred dollars for a for a two day fucking pass, general admission pass to Coachella. Yeah. But it's slow it's, down it's, there. It's so one sided because it's just like, okay, but there were many, even more new metal fests around that time, like an Ozfest or stuff like that, where nothing like that happened at Woodstock 99 happened. And they're just painting it as it. I, I think there's a person on that documentary that's just like, what do you expect? You get somebody screaming on stage. And I was just like, you know, of course, the assaults and things of that nature that happened at Woodstock 99 were absolutely terrible and inexcusable i'm not talking about that i'm talking about the mentality of the doc where the general air in the room of talking about that festival was well if you have limp biscuit screaming on stage what do you expect to happen if limp biscuit plays break stuff people will break stuff which is incredibly ignorant and not true because what happened at woodstock 99 didn't happen at every other new metal concert it was a big deal because of what happened it's just like basically like aggression is so funny to people nowadays and i for one miss it like i obviously don't mean aggression that leads to riot looting and sexual assault i'm not talking about that i'm talking about aggression at life just aggression in art to be mad internally and not aggravate others like get out your anger joyfully and safely and I think that the doc and the interviewee's attitude about heavy music is why we're in the state that we are in music and the only big heavy acts are legacy acts. And anyways, my question is, is basically like, why is it that music that can be, you know, popular and be happy, you can be happy or sad, but you can't be angry. And like, why is that? And why is anger what happened at Woodstock and not just anything else and it always just frustrates me it's just like we can have happy and sad songs but angry songs or something I mean, like look, that just not let's anymore not, let's not bullshit around angry music inspires violence it's and i don't mean that in like yeah. a derogatory sense i just mean like people aren't people aren't moshing at fucking in your concerts <laughs> yeah it's I not would... happening people but i think that 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 violence when you put that violence in a controlled and uh in a controlled space, it's very healthy. I think that we had a more healthy society when there were touring metal fests for white yes. people to go to and beat the fuck out of each other. <laughs> yeah. I think that we were a much healthier and more stable society when we had places for that where you could pay $22 and go to a mosh pit and beat the shit out of each other. Like we, That was important. But what I will say that to this point is that I don't remember which of the two documentaries it was. It might have been the Netflix one, honestly, but I remember one of the two documentaries did a better job of letting the actual promoters, the organizers Netflix. of the Woodstock... It was, was the it Netflix? Netflix one, yeah. They did a better job of letting them hang themselves. Yes. Because I remember one of the two was just like talking about how like the women had it coming with the sexual assaults, and there was much more in detail about why bottled water was so expensive and how right. it was on a fucking military tarmac. It was on a tarmac, dude. Pavement. Rough. They had this show on a pavement, right? And the violence only boiled over on day three. That's when it became like a big, big problem. Yeah. So it's always the show. It's it's always the director's fault when it comes to big events like this. Whoever like put the event together is the one to blame. You can't point to Fred Durst and Limp Bizkit and be like, "Well, we didn't know they were going to play Break stuff." It's like, yeah, you did. You hired you hired Limp (laughs) Bizkit. Yeah. So that's just not that's not correct at all. What I think happened around the time though is that Limp Biscuit and Fred Durst leaned into it a little bit. 
and we're like, we're like, yeah, you know, it ain't fake when we start the riots. Yeah. And they did the rearranged video, video, and they're like on yeah. trial. Yeah. But I don't, I don't fault them for that. It was great. Not at all. No. Yeah. It was great publicity, but it's like stuck with them. It's kind of stuck to them that, that Woodstock 99 was their fault when it, it just, it so wasn't. No. It so wasn't. It's, and, it, um, yeah, because it's, because like you were saying, yes, like violent music can get violence, yes, but. I don't know. It just felt weird to watch a documentary. I think it was like 2020 when that first one came out. To It basically felt like almost like post-Columbine scapegoating watching that documentary. And I was like, had we have not gotten past this? Like, well, really? We needed, we needed a documentary on Woodstock 99 that was much clearer about. I thought the Netflix one did a decent job yeah. of explaining whose fault it was, but it needed to be like way more declarative in... right. In its, it needed more conclusions to be like, here's who fucked it. Here's who made this big mistake. And yeah. it was the people that organized it flat out, plain and simple. Uh, and the Limp Biscuit thing is just not fair. They played night two, okay? That's yeah. not when the festival got destroyed. The band yeah. that played before the festival that got destroyed was Red Hot Chili Peppers. And I never hear them mentioned really when it <laughs> yeah. comes to this. Yeah. When it comes to this. But I get it. Like, I guess I get it that it's that Limp Bizkit presents themselves as a very easy target. Well, it's like, we already don't like them, so why not? And they have songs about breaking stuff. It's like, perfect. It's perfect. Yeah. Well, to wrap it up, do you think either new metal or music that is this aggressive can ever take the limelight again? No, not the way that you might think so. Not the way that it, it had the limelight in, like, the year 1999 or something. Oh, yeah, I yeah. think that... I think that what we can do is we can use new metal and the concept of new metal and new metal music as a way to give rock bands uh, the ability to make heavy music with accessible choruses and song structure. Again, I think I think it's got a very freeing effect for the artists that can just label themselves as new metal because mm -hmm. it, it kind of gives you the ability to suck. <laughs> it just gives you that ability to be shitty and be goofy uh on record again and 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 have a home for that find a place it's, yeah. it's just different it's different when like a metalcore band tries to take that risk and experiments around it just feels different than when you're like yeah we're a new metal band fuck you yeah so when you say can they return to a place of prominence like hell yeah a place of like creative prominence absolutely right. commercial prominence we need uh, we do need to get it back in that direction because what made new metal at its peak so effective was that all these bands could focus on music full time right you know anyone in a rock band that can be a rock musician full fucking time unless they are a legacy act now and bro yeah. no and no. that's why we're cheated out of great rock music is we just don't have artists that can focus yeah. you know They've all got to make their TikToks and their Instagram posts and go to their day jobs and and just do so much other shit. And it's not fair. So if we can parlay any of this interest around new metal into some sort of commercial revitalization around heavy music again, that's that's really all that matters. It it, it doesn't matter who listens to Deftones and Corn. It's like we, we just got to find a way for young rock bands to make money again period.
Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Almost Major. Please rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. Please follow the pod on Twitter at Almost Major to keep up to date with what movies we will be covering in the future. Myself, I can be found on Twitter and Letterboxd at Kev Bonesy. Bryden can be found on Twitter at Bryden Doyle and on Letterboxd at J Doyle. Charlie can be found on Twitter and Letterboxd at CTNash91. Once again, thank you for listening.